The NFL season is just around the corner, and if you need to cram for your upcoming fantasy draft, check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, where you'll find in-depth analysis plus some charming bits from Danny Heifetz, Craig Horlbeck, and me, Danny Kelly. Also, check out our fantasy rankings and sleepers at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. And present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. yeah. Oh, don't do this. I, I got I got great energy tonight. I can't have that. Can't, can't be hated on by the internet, guys. Shout out to Xfinity for beating me over the fucking head for the last year and a half. You, can I tell you my <laughs> Xfinity story, Tony? Shout out right, to Xfinity. Right ahead, bro. Uh, so when I first jumped on with NBC Sports Chicago... You know, you get the discount, right? And I, I was, I was just laughing all the way to the bank. Seventy-five bucks a month. I'm out here. Give me every feature possible, and then, and then I make a move. You know, an actual physical move. And they're like, "Oh, you just gotta, just gotta get a new account for the new place, and everything will switch on over." I have been paying six times the amount that i usually pay for the last year yeah and i've i've reached out to people who can help me can't help me mm-hmm. i've reached out to people to get to get directed towards the, the the correct portals and the correct websites can't help me you know but guess what i, I i'm still shining out here even though every month auto pay is a fucking scam by the way shout out to everybody out there getting jerked and getting robbed by auto pay on a, a weekly or monthly basis i do it to kind of like put my mind at ease but it don't it don't put my mind at ease because when i'm sitting there looking at my <laughs> my my statement i'm like how did this happen i stayed in the house for two weeks straight 
And then come to find out all the shit that I was using while staying in the house for two weeks straight, jumped into my bank account, was like, give me that. And 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 my mm-hmm. cable is one of those things. But yeah, man, I am uh I'm in I'm in high spirits because by the time people hear this tomorrow, I will have re-upped with NBC Sports Chicago to bring you Bulls basketball on the pre and post side for the next couple of years, hopefully. You know, who knows where this thing is going landscape-wise? Who knows what's going to happen when TV rights come into play and all that? So, you know, shout-out to NBC Sports Chicago and all the fine people over there who made this process as easy as you could possibly imagine it being. And shout-out to my agent, you know, my representation, Andrew. I appreciate you for uh, steering me down the right path. And, and, And let this be. What is this, episode 140, Tony? I think it's 140. That's yeah, I think it's 140. You, you yeah. think it? God damn. All right, see, cool. We're firing on all. We're firing on all cylinders right now. <laughs> My man hit me with the I think it is. Like, come on, Tony. You're going, I'm, I'm going to need you to get up here with me. You got to match this energy with me because guess what? <laughs> guess what? The previous 139 episodes, I hope mm-hmm. y'all had a good time with it. Okay? There are teams in this city who are, are, are um, how should I say, um, Playing games with me, okay? Playing big games. And I am here to play them back because all I've done for the last 139 episodes is shot at fair and square with seemingly every team in this city. Not a whole lot to praise in this city. Shout out to the Chicago Sky for whooping the Deliberty like they stole something the other night. You feel me? At one point, what was it, 81 to 40 or some shit like that? Yeah, yeah, they were 40. Shout out to the girls. Shout out to the ladies, I should say. Shout out to the ladies of the Chicago Sky who continue to be the only team that that sets the bar high and reaches that bar. Shout out to the Bulls, obviously, because last year, you know, back to relevancy. But I'm not going to name which team I am speaking of just as yet. But listen to me and listen to me good. You don't have to put your athletes on this pod. You don't have to put your coaches on this pod. You don't have to put your front office on this pod. And you know who I'm talking to. All right? Things get back to me. I've been playing this thing fair and square for 139 episodes, only giving the the real golf vibes and real golf feelings. But guess what? It's about to be turned up a notch here because expectations across the board have risen and seemingly the heat has to rise as well. I don't need your star players on this pod. I don't need your coaches on this pod. I don't need your front office people on this pod. It'd be nice if they jumped on, but Allison is doing a great job. And all we've gotten from people I know, from people I know, is, ah, you know, we could do it some other time, this, that, and the other. Let me tell you something right now. Say, for instance, the Bay Area. Right. San Francisco 49ers, uh, the Golden State Warriors out there. Right. You know, nobody give a shit about the athletics too tough. Right. But but the Giants are out there. I talk to people in the Bay. The San Francisco 49ers and the Golden State Warriors are two of the most accommodating teams in that state. One team has been to several NFC championships in the last five years. The other one is coming off of and still pretty much in the latter stages of a dynasty. Guess what? When you play well, you could be out there talking to everybody. No question is too hard to answer, right? No hot seat is too hot for you to sit down. And you know why? Because you're out here doing things the way they should be done. But seemingly, when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and people start poking around and asking questions for years, for years, you hear me? Hello, is this thing on? Let me tap this bitch one time. For years, and people shoot the fair one with you, keep it straight with you, 
and you still find a way to make up bullshit excuse guess what we don't need it we could be a guestless pod i'm still coming for your ass if you don't win it's as simple as that there's a reason why every three or four years I have to check the resume. <laughs> you know why? Because I don't make it comfortable for anybody for too long a period of time. It ain't comfortable for me. It's a results-based business. And for too long, these Chicago teams have been traipsing around with blind fandom and loyalty. And guess what? Episode 140 from here on out, shit's going to be a little bit different. And you may say to yourself, oh, that's a man with new paper talking right now. Well, guess what? You're right. You're right. I, I am emboldened and empowered and secured in my next two years of my life. But, but man, I, I have been sitting back watching the landscape of this thing. You know, it, it, you run into people in tunnels. You run into people in, <laughs> outside because I'm always outside. Y'all know that. I'm one of the few people behind one of these mics who's outside with these people, seeing them, talking to them. What's happening? You at Maple and Ash get the seafood tower right next to you. I'm on. I'm at the table across from me. I might send you a bottle of something. Oh, nah, Tony, it's time for me to start talking my shit and acting the way I'm supposed to act on this pod. You feel me? Because as I see it, as we step into the fourth quarter of this season, and I'm talking about the year, the fourth quarter of the year, football season's getting ready to start, got issues there. Basketball season's getting ready to start. There's a lot of trepidation by Bulls fans because they don't know exactly what's changed other than the teams around them getting better, right? <laughs> and let's not mention the Cubs and the Sox and what this last month and a half is going to be about. Because if you're a Cubs fan, you're out here, you know, tagging along, whooping up on the Brewers, enjoying yourself. Everything's, you know, okie-dokie. Everything's all good, hunky-dory. Hey, you're feeling good about yourself if you're a Cubs fan right now. The end of the summer treated you a lot better than the beginning of the summer did. Now we'll see if they put anything on that roster in terms of big-ticket items besides, say, a Suzuki and some of the kids that they have to grow. And, of course, Wilson Contreras' deal. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the conversation that's going to be had as well. But the Chicago White Sox, hey, man, if your name ain't Johnny Cueto or Dylan Cease, you really can't say nothing to me right now. Johnny Cueto, I know we've been doing this damn near for three weeks straight, but this is the Johnny Cueto Stan Club, okay? I am the president. Johnny C came out of whatever, I won't call it, hibernation. He came out of hibernation, and he is out here throwing this thing like Dylan, well, numbers-wise, like Dylan Cease. He went out there and gave you eight and two-thirds inning baseball, uh, solid craftsmanship, worker-like, painting the corners, quick pitching your dumb ass, switching up the speeds, screwing up your time. I know the Guardians can't hit, but walk with me here. Like, screwing up your timing. You know, that's what Johnny C was on out there. If you can't be like Johnny C or Dylan C's, then, then you need to move out the way. I, whatever they are having, we need to give it to Lance Lynn. We need to give it to Lucas Giolito. We need to give it to Michael Kopech because that's the saving grace for me right now is watching these two dudes pitch. That's the saving grace right now for me. And and apparently the, 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 the Guardians was playing on Soldier Field, so they had to cancel the game because of the field conditions. I, have, I haven't heard of that one before. I know, you know, it's been a rainy season, right? Well, it's been more rain, I should say, in the Midwest, and thank God for it. I got my plants all dying out in the front. You feel me? Yeah, I'm, I'm washed. I'm at that age where I'm, I'm saying that my plants are dying in the front. But y'all, the drainage is that bad? <laughs> y'all don't? Or 
Was it that Mr. Seeks was coming to to give you that one run that you that you dialed up and and call it a series? Was it that? Because I don't know. I don't know that I've heard a uh, unplayable field conditions because of rain, because of flooding at Progressive Field. Knock it off. It's like Vegas. Yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all don't y'all don't prepare for rain every once in a while. What's going on out there? You gotta send the sod father, huh? You gotta send Roger Bossett out there and get their shit correct. Come on, Cleveland. I would say you're better than that. Nah, that'd be you know what? That's 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 low hanging fruit. That's too easy. That's too easy. I enjoy my time. The one time I was in Cleveland. not stuff I seen from uh, from the football fans. Man, man. I uh, I saw the wildest of T-shirts. I think we saw the same T-shirts being sold at old. It's not Brown Stadium anymore. I don't want to disrespect it and 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 yeah, sh- screw it. At old Brown Stadium, yeah. Wow. I mean, whenever this, whenever football happens, and this is a football happening, unfortunately, whenever football happens, football gonna happen. You you knew. I mean, hell, when, when the Ray Rice thing happened. There was people rocking around with Ray Rice jerseys in Baltimore like that that weekend. Football is a religion. <laughs> and feel however you want to feel about religion, but sometimes it makes people do some wild shit. <laughs> and that's exactly what's going to happen in Cleveland. Those 11 games, they will be cheering for whoever, and the moment he steps on the field against the Houston Texans, it is up. Let, let, the, let, the, let the Browns have a six and five record and see how Deshaun Watson is welcome. Like the, you know, the return of the black Messiah, like for real, it's going to be that way because football is football. And uh, I want to say luckily, cause it sounds crass. Um, fortunately you haven't had a situation like that in this city when it comes to that position, because we know exactly what well, I'm just saying, period. You sh- we shouldn't be thinking about it at any position because I don't want this to sound weird in any way. But when it comes to that position and we see the money's being shelled out at that, but it was given to that guy, not just at that position to that guy, 230 million guaranteed damn near. Yeah, oh yeah. Them 26 people going to have to get over it. That's exactly how the, the Browns and some Browns fans are, um, relaying their message. It's as simple as that. It's unfortunate. It sucks. It's, it's gross. It's weird. Right? And then dub, the doubling down on top of it, even weirder. Right? Like, you're supposed to do the Homer Simpson gif and just kind of just fade back into the bushes, my G. you out here. <laughs> and these this is one of those cases where it's like, Nothing can come out to kind of make you a good guy here. So what, what, what you what you hanging on to? You know, like like if twenty of the people are found to be liars and six were telling the truth, you still ain't a good guy. You know, like you you still you still need some help. And now these people will need help. Some of them for the rest of their lives. So yeah, man, I saw those shirts. I saw what was being sold, and I was like, yeah, football going football. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win. Fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Speaking of football, footballing, you got to holler at me on this one, Tony, because I went to sleep on Thursday thinking that Roquan was, you know, fist in the air <laughs> going ride this thing on out until he had to. And then like two days later, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll play for y'all. It's all good. <laughs> y'all right. You ain't got to pay me. Like, I know he didn't say it like that, but like, what what happened here? Did Ryan Poles like pull up to him and was like, hey, you a linebacker. Get your ass on the field. <laughs> like, like what, what was said to Roquan Smith that made this thing just kind of fall off the table? Because that entire, I know it was Monday Night Football, but it's Thursday night. That entire Monday Night Football broadcast in the second half was like, all right, please bring up all the Roquan Smith information because we ain't talking about none of these bums on the field right now. Like, they couldn't wait to tell you how much cap space the Bears had and, you know, a culture setter, this, that. Like, it was, and shout out to Lewis Riddick, too. Because Lewis Riddick does a terrific job of explaining the action while also trying to get a gig with whatever team he's calling. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he's not going – Lewis ain't bringing the pain. Like, Lewis ain't starting the, the podcast telling all the teams in the city they can kiss his ass the way I did. Okay? They, they, Lewis, Lewis came out there and was like, this is the kind of culture setter you need and this, that, and the other. They threw out the numbers. They was in the Bears' pockets, heavy, right? Let you know exactly how much money the Bears was dealing with. I'm like, oh, look at this. And apparently Roquan's people saw that. I was like, hey, man, uh, stop this now. <laughs> and now Roquan Smith is going to be practicing. Matt Eberflus is happy to have his weak side linebacker back. Shaq Leonard is, you know, the, the, the heir apparent to Shaq Leonard's, you know, uh, demonstration the last couple of years. That's what we're expecting out of Roquan. But I want to know, unless Ryan Pose is like, hey, man, you're making, you making it hot. You're making it a little hot. I, I'll get you your money. You just got to stall me out a little bit. Like, I, I, I don't know how it goes from that to this in a couple of days. Because the Bears, right now, have the sixth most cap space in the NFL. So it's not like I'm coming to you, hey, uh, we kind of broke. Can we get you? Can I give you a little piece of this thing? Can I put something on it? Can I, can I can I give you a little bit and then when I get paid in two weeks, let me let me top that off, you know? It's like having a little Pelly Pelly on layaway or something, right? It's like, all right, you go up to City Sports, like, ah, my man, I got forty dollars for you. <laughs> I know the payment said two twenty seven, but I got forty for did they roll up on Roquan? Like, all right, so I know you want eighty nine, but I got I got 60 for you, you know. It's a hard 60, though. You know, you're going to you know, have to roll with it. You might have to get to the cash station or the currency exchange before the other dude because this, you know, I, I promise both of y'all this 60. Like, what did they say to him? Like, how does this how does this change as drastically as it did? And in 2023 projected cap space, the Bears have $125 million. The most in the NFL. The Bears got like Justin Fields signed, and that's about it. And Darnell Mooney may be coming up. Like that, other than that, everybody's a free agent. So so they can't really go to Roquan and be like, man, you gotta talk to Justin. He he got your money. Right? Or or did Colin Coward and all the people, the national pundits who've been talking about this thing. Did they remind Roquan the same way Ryan Poles did that he's a linebacker and the league don't really give a damn about linebackers anymore, right? The Fred, Fred Warner and Shaq Leonard are 
at the top of their rosters on their respective teams, right? But San Francisco, it's a different case. They, they've been to some NFC championships. The Indianapolis Colts still trying to figure it out. And I understand the conversation that's behind put more pieces around whoever the quarterback is going to be, whether it be the line or the wide receivers, or, you know, obviously you can throw a, a, you know, a pass catching, a decent enough tight end out there. You know, they, got, they think they have one. I don't know how many more they got after that, after Cole Komet. You know, you got guys running around here in the preseason, the, the guys like at the tight end position. But I just – I would love to get to the bottom of why Roquan Smith thought now's the time that I should say, hey, I'm back. Unless he's going to do this next year and he told him, hey, if, if the preseason wraps up and y'all still talking this nonsense, I'll play. But ain't going to be no holding in next year. It's going to be holding out. And we'll see how that goes because they, you know, the franchise tag and all that other stuff is coming up. I, I'll be, it'll be interesting because he also knows his lot in life. He knows that they're not going to mess around and franchise tag uh, a linebacker twice in a row to have him making what the average of the top five in the in in, 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 the, in the league. Like it's the it's the average, if I'm not mistaken, Tony. The first franchise tag is the average at your position and then the second franchise tag is the average of the top the the top five and, yeah and the average of the top five uh, in the at your position yeah right. after after your first one yeah so you know worst case scenario Roquan's got two more years as a Chicago Bear best case you know you fill that blank in where you see fit but man I'm uh I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this thing's going to play out because Ryan Poles up there taking notes the other day, looking as studious he, as he wants to look, right? And and you can tell who's, who's I won't say carrying the water for him, but you can tell who's passing along his message, right? You just got to be careful. <laughs> Roquan Smith jumped into a situation where when you don't have an agent, it's kind of hard to disseminate your message the way you might want it to be disseminated. You know, you got guys talking for you, you got people talking for you around the league, but you're not you don't have the the hard and fast message. Ian Rappaport can only do so much. So, yeah, man. I I thought we was gonna be on the Roquan holdout, pay that man his money train, but <laughs> Roquan jumped off that train on his own. So we'll see. We'll see. Looking forward to it. Oh, what else happened? What what else we got, Tony? Oh, saw Patrick Williams, more uh more <laughs> More summer league, well, not summer league, but more rec league and open gym stuff from Patrick Williams. Yeah, him out here putting, putting, I won't call them bums, but putting dudes in a blender, right? And at some of these private runs. And every time I see it, <laughs> it it's a two way sore with that, man. It's like, all right, you put out these highlights, you letting these highlights go because none of this stuff goes out without oh, their permission, all. right? So, all right, I see you doing all this stuff. I don't, I don't want to see, you know, scaredy McBears, you know, McBarrington. I don't know. I just made that <laughs> good. Up over in the corner. I actually like uh, that. You know, acting like I don't, I don't know what to do with the basketball when, when the season start off rip. Yeah. Like, you can't be putting dudes in the mix. I don't care where they at. I don't care where they from. I'm going to need to see that. Yeah. I'm going to need to see you making plays. That's. I'm not scared of Dalen Tepp. Dalen is going to go out oh, there. Oh, no, no. Dalen's about to and control the ball every and chance not, he's out there. Right, and I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be all good no. things, but he, he's going to do stuff, Yeah. right? And look, Patrick, the, the ceiling and the, the expectation is higher for that dude. So, you know. As they should be.
Yeah, I'm not worried about Dalen Terry, to be honest with you. I like Dalen Terry is gonna be the one that, that people are gonna have to tell, hey, hey, uh, you're gonna have to uh you're gonna have to pass that thing when you get in here. <laughs> you you're gonna have to defend to get your shots. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you ever walk on that new court, it's like, all right, I got my man over there, and it's you with your three or four guys, and you look at him like, hey fam, um, nice to meet you, by the way. Uh so what we do is we shoot. Okay, you, you, we all, you know, you get a feel for the game first. And then, you know, you can get your shit off. No, not Dale and Terry. Yeah, I, the first time I met him, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be hilarious. I can't wait. I can't wait. He's got that energy. He's got that energy where it's like somebody going to have to be like, all right, young fella. <laughs> yeah, I can just hear Kendall Gill right now in my head like, all right, young fella. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> You're doing a lot. <laughs> you got a lot, of, got a lot of dip on your chip over there. Daniel going to be putting it up. But Patrick, I mean, I, I know what he looks like. You know what he looks like. Hell, the Minnesota Timberwolves saw what he looked like at the end of the year. And all that. I, I need people to tell Patrick Williams, hey, man, you're doing too much. That's when we will achieve success as Bulls fans and Bulls observers alike. When people are saying, hey, man, somebody got to tell Pat to stop shooting that thing. All right? It's, uh, Pat is being a little – something happened this offseason. You know, maybe he you know, fell in love or, you know, he looked up at the, the contract clock and was like, all right, I got start to start to get on my grind here. But I would love for 10 games – check back with us because they got something stupid, like nine games in the first 15 days of the season or something crazy like that, like six back-to-backs. Check back with us beginning of November. If by the beginning of November, I'm not out here like, yo, something got into Patrick Williams because this is the guy we need to see, then I'm going to be talking about Patrick Williams like he is a guy that is uh, a fringe rotation player. Because at some point, you know, he's under the, he's under the, the specter right now still of the fourth pick in the draft. You know, he lost a whole season damn near to the wrist injury. Like, there's a, there's a lot of... There's a lot of shields that you got to get past, right? Shout out to all my Call of Duty people out there. You know, he ain't blue yet, right? You got to – you got to still – there's still a couple more shields that you got to get through. But, boy, how, my birthday is November 8th. If I am not here blowing out birthday candles and, and drowning my sorrows in Reposado and talking about Patrick Williams not being a man yet, all right, you already know what time it is. Go ahead and set that timer right now on your phones because – yeah, I love seeing the the off season workouts. Love seeing the pat pat, you know, and guys that the handle looked a little bit a little bit better than than it has over the last couple of years. Hopefully, he's not in the corner shooting corner threes and shit like he was, you know, the last two years. I'm I'm looking forward to whatever Patrick Williams we see because man, I can't be wrong about all these dudes. Right? I'm on a nice little wrong streak here. <laughs> I'm on a nice, you know, you keep you keep your little mental tally, Tony. Like, all right, oh, shit, that guy couldn't play. All right. I'm, I'm out here looking at Justin Fields and Patrick Williams like, <laughs> like rolling the dice. Like, oh, give me a seven, somebody. <laughs> oh, I don't know why it took me so long to get to this, by the way. And, and this will be a perfect uh, lead-in to our next guest because it's from the world of music and it is – about lyrics, especially if you are a, a fan of hip-hop music. I went to the Kenny Lamar revival. 
I'm not, I didn't go to the K-Dot concert. I didn't go to the Kendrick Lamar show. I didn't go to, you know, TDE's last little run at United Center before PG Lang takes over this thing. No, I went to the Young Kenny revival. Tony, when I tell you, I, I go to concerts sparingly. One, I don't like crowds. And two, there's not a lot of people that I want to actually go see perform. There's a lot of songs that sound a lot better in my living room, in the basement, in my car than they're going to sound on that stage. So when I go somewhere, I want to make sure that it's going to be worth my time, especially now, you know, hey, co-parenting, got to make sure your schedules are correct. And, I mean, you know, I'm hanging out with my guys as much as the Lord will possibly let me. But, man, Friday night, it's emotional day, period. You know, is as we talked about in the last pod, uh, my, my, my man, Alex Thomas, who we're going to lay to rest here very soon. I uh, was thinking about him all day, the day after the pod. And I messed around and went to a concert at the United Center. Shout out to the perks of the gig, too. Right. You know, we had the suite, went in there. It was it was everybody that you would think would want to see Kendrick Lamar. So that means it was a bunch of old heads like me and a bunch of little white kids. It was it was it was interesting to see, to, to see the mix. You know, like oh shit, this is why he's top three and he ain't two or three in the game. Right? You got to have that crossover appeal. And Kendrick Lamar came into this city and tore this bitch down. Started right on time at nine o'clock. You know, shout out to him for that. And party for two hours not just party put on a show i'm talking about emotions i'm talking about hitting every cue i'm talking about the lights being what they needed to be the meticulous nature that real performers show up to your city with and you can tell that they gave a damn about their show you could tell they gave a damn about their sound you could tell they gave a damn about their visuals kendrick lamar Took it to a. I didn't get a chance to see the Kanye West shows, when, you know, when he had the floating stage and you know he had the mountain in the middle of the in the middle of the UC. Like I didn't get a chance to go to those shows, right? But I've seen some performers in my day and time, right? I, I talking to the kid that was at the Rough Riders Cash Money concert at Allstate Arena when they when they came in in the helicopter in the building. And I was like, damn, these niggas got money. <laughs> like, 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 that, yeah, like Bird, this is before Birdman was really stunner. Like, he was, it was crazy. Got a chance to see DMX that night, right? And thought to myself, yeah, this is what performing should be. This is what putting your all and your heart into something should be. But that's just one man pouring into a microphone and a stage. I'm talking about the shit that probably happened before Kendrick Lamar even thought about this concert. Like, I'm... I, when I tell you, Tony, I, I only reason I took pictures and took video of this concert was to capture it because I didn't want to really miss it, you know, in terms of like I wanted to be in tune with it the whole time. So I didn't want to be on my phone. Right. And I'm just watching. And, and it's all stuff off the new album. And it's stuff from Good Kid, Mad City. It's, it's just hits. Don't get me wrong. You came, you ain't, you know, people used to get mad at Prince because Prince would show up and be like, hey, here goes all the, the shit that you don't know the words to. You're welcome. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and, and people would just have to say, thank you, Prince, because Prince is one of the gods. Kendrick Lamar came in there and top to bottom, the show was full of energy. And I'm talking about even on the 
the the slower songs, even on the tracks that have more, well, not more of a message because every one of his tracks has a message, but even the tracks that you're like, okay, this ain't a banger. This is this is something that means something to him. The the energy was there for each part. The the canvas, you know, the the shadows, and and for anybody who will go see this tour, the what he does with the lighting and the shadows in the background and how there are three, there was something for the eye in every part of this show. There were three or four different stories being told every moment of the show. And you might say to yourself, man, that sounds real busy. Sounds like something I wouldn't want to. Nah, anywhere you, anywhere your eyes went was food. Anywhere your eyes went, you were, you were going to get what you needed. And the, uh, the song was Sampha. Um, Ah oh, man, here I don't want to because it's actually it's actually my favorite song on on the album, and and I'm I'm mad that I'm I'm skipping on the uh, on the uh, title right now. But man, the song with Sanford where he talks about men and them trying to figure out uh, what they need to do as not only fathers but men who grew up without uh, maybe the the right teachings, right? Oh my God, it, uh, yeah, Father Time. The song was Sampha. Man, I was waiting for it. You ever go to a concert and you're waiting for a song and you're like, oh, when he do this, I already know what's up. I legit sat there and started to tear up because the first time I heard that the night Kendrick Lamar dropped this album, I went outside at two in the morning and just drove in the car and listened to it because I'm like, yeah, this ain't one that's going to probably catch me the right way in the crib. Right. And if I'm gonna let these tears fly, I'm gonna let them fly in the car. You damn right. I'm gonna let Lakeshore Drive winds wipe the tears from my eyes. Right. I'm gonna get poetic with it just like Kendrick did. But nah, man, it was um, it was a great time. It was a fulfilling time. Uh, it was great to see some of the people I get a chance to work with every day. Uh, and it was it was cool because, you know, Kendrick Lamar has a real relationship with the city of Chicago. Real one. Right. Um, you know, I believe he was born here, if I'm not mistaken. And and they moved uh, to, to Compton when he was a kid. So he talked about Chicago in, with real reverence. It's not just like one of those, you know, look down at your guitar, hello, Springfield, you know what I mean? Like, nah, he was he was, he was was partying with people, and, and I appreciated that. So if you get a chance uh, for these remaining dates on this Kendrick Lamar tour, I, he's not a guest on this show. I'm not doing, I'm not getting paid by TDE or PG Lang. I'm not, you know, this ain't payola. This, but, man, I'm always going to pass on to y'all how I feel about things and – yeah, the Kendrick Lamar show did it for the kid. Like the inspiration and motivation that I needed, uh, and we all need it every once in a while. When you, when you, you know, watching the White Sox baseball, wondering when, <laughs> when this shit is gonna be over, <laughs> or you're watching, you're watching the first quarter of the Seattle Seahawks Bears preseason game over and over, like you're gonna glean something other than this team ain't got no damn offensive line nor weapons around Justin Fields. Yeah, you need a little inspiration every once in a while. So shout out to Kendrick Lamar and all his people for putting on one of the better shows that I have ever been to. Um, Usher Kanye West is uh, probably up there for me. Right? I've seen Jay-Z perform a couple of times and uh, saw 50 and seen Snoop. Uh, but, man, uh, you know, Kung Fu Kenny, he, uh, he he did his fucking job. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. So, that was uh, money well spent. And speaking of money well spent, if you have been following this artist at all, at all, over the last, you know, what, 12, 13 years now? I mean, 
This man has been in the game and been doing it at a high level for a very, very, very long time. Drill Music in Zion is the latest release. He is Lupe Fiasco, and he gave us the uh, the pleasure of uh, sharing his company with us. And uh, he sat down for quite a while, as people are apt to do on this pod. I don't know if they like talking to me or if they're like, damn, when is he going to press leave meeting on this Zoom? Either way, our guy Lupe Fiasco joined us right here on the Full Go Podcast. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. So how's your day going, bro? Day good. Yeah? Yeah, straight? Yeah, man. Can't complain, you know. Getting getting ready to uh, actually go back to school shopping for the first time in my life. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, saying no and yes to all the things I used to get said yes and no to when it comes to buying things for the little guy going back to school. But other than that, man, uh, life is life is normal. Life is good. Um, I want to talk to I want to talk to you. And I was looking forward to talking to you because one, uh, you're one of the most talented people to come out of this city in a very 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 long time. You've been doing this for a long time since the early aughts. Uh, you know, it's not just food and liquor when people in this city got introduced to you and then the world got introduced to you then as well. But, you know, I remember the, the, the ignorant shit freestyle and all the things like the, the momentum that was behind your career in the early going, as you take a look at it now, being in the game, you know, 20 some odd years now and looking at the landscape of where hip hop is now, what's important to you as an artist and as a creative, as we see so much stuff, you know, being put out, for not just consumption, but you know, it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, I won't say mainstreaming of the music, but there's a, the homogenization that's taking place where you know you can't really get what you need from the people who used to supply it in terms of the programming. So now you got to go exactly where it is, and hopefully you find it. How is how has the game changed from the time that you came in to now in terms of how the music is disseminated and who's doing the dissemination of it. Um, uh, I'm trying to pull some stuff from that. Um, I mean, definitely there's the, you know, I came up in a time, uh, discovering music, learning how to rap and then becoming a rapper and then selling my, my own music, uh, in a time where they were physical stores. You know, there was Sam Goody and Coconuts and, you know, a myriad of others. But they had to go get it, you know. And even even if it wasn't that, it got a house. So I remember my dad had the Columbia record house thing or whatever that was. But it just sent you CDs. Sometimes you didn't even know what the CDs were. It was like a grab bag. Whatever. Right. But there was a, a physicalness to it, um, a, a delay. Right. Like I remember I had to ask my dad to take me to the store to go get um uh I am, Nas is I am. Either 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 I am or the hate me now single. I had both. I had the hate me now single. And then I remember I went and got the album. Um but it was just a a, a process to it. It was a, it was kinda like a ritual to it, if you want to elevate it to that level where you actually have to go to a place, have a transaction with a person you know, search through, maybe it was there, maybe they didn't have it, you know, things got sold out, you right. know, and got it, you got to go to another spot. 
Um, so I think it's that part of it is gone, you know, and it that with it with it leaving so much other kind of subtle nuance things that we really didn't appreciate or things that were just unconscious to us, um, you know, left with it and were replaced with, you know, things that are more immediate. Um, I think uh, Donald Passman, his book is actually right here. I'm using it for my class. You know, all you need to know about the music business. He, he talks about um, there was one thing that the physical stores did that the kind of digital stores um, in the era, the internet era that we live in, the digital download DSP era that we live in now, is that you could go to, and I, I, there's a little bit room for argument with his position, but the overall idea is sound, where it was, you know, when you went to a store back in the day, you got, you wanted, one, you might have wanted to make the most out of that experience, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe a little less of what directly what he's saying is me kind of adding on, but what he was kind of saying directly, you would go into the store and you would see other things, you know? So when you went in to do the transaction, you saw, you went through other music, there was other music sitting right next to yours, the music that you wanted. You could say, well, that still exists in kind of the storefronts on the digital side too, right? You go to Apple Music, it'll be this dude's album, that dude's album. But what, (laughs) one of the things that he was, and that's kind of the argument, but what, what was valid was like, you know, you got introduced to all these different types of things. So the industry music as a whole was lifted up because you became aware of all this other stuff, even if you didn't buy it, mm-hmm. right? What he was saying now in the DSP era is you basically silo. Like you get your music and in the process of getting what you wanted, you don't get anything else. So the more that one particular artist is big, or is, is most kind of searched for, looked after, it actually takes away from the other artists. So actually, the more you become successful, the less successful everybody else becomes, as opposed mm. to, hey, when you went to the store, you know, I'm successful. You're right. successful High I'm, tide raises all ships. Yeah, I did a little bit off, off your purchase or what have you by somebody recognizing, you know, my music or my piece or whatever, or, or people coming to listen, whatever. So anyway, it's it's things like that, more subtle things, you know, that you don't really think about the impact when you compare the two kind of worlds. Um, but with all that said, I think it's also finding like, you know, the benefit, there's benefits in that too, mm-hmm. you know? Also the opportunity for you to do whatever you want. You know, you don't have to kind of abide by kind of gatekeeping and stuff like that. Like it's, it's purely democratic in that sense. Um, and that gives you the opportunity to create in whatever capacity you, you want. So I'm, I'm going to leave it there and so you can move on, yeah. No, no, I appreciate I appreciate you expounding. It's one of the reasons why I was looking forward to talking to you because, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes we use the term soulful and we think of um, you know, crooners or you think of ballads or something like that. But I, I've, all, I've long contended, uh, whether it be interviews or your music, um, you are one of the more soulful cats because it's, it's you know, it, the answers and the thoughts come from a place. Like, I've likened you to covering Rajan Rondo in my time, right? Where 
I, I would hear Rondo get asked questions <laughs> in, a, in a scrum or in a, in a group setting and you'd lock eyes with him and you knew it was a bad question. And he was going to spit out, uh, you know, a run of the mill answer. But the right. better question that you gave him, the more you were going to learn that, OK, he's been waiting to say these things for a while and you could probably learn something. I think that's the problem that I have when and it, I'm going to get right to it. When people try to sun you as just like this backpack rapper who, you know, is just the lyrical miracle. I'm like, this man has got anthems. This man has sold millions of records. This man's introduced your favorite artists to the people that put them on and made them megastars. And yet and still, when Lupe Fiasco drops an album, whether it be Drogas Wave or, you know, Drill Music in Zion, like I knew exactly when I saw the title of it, I'm like, I know Lupe's not doing drill music, but I know that there's there's a reason why conceptually he's attacking this from this standpoint. Um, being a creative and just mentioning, just like you said, the, the freedom that you have when you're not locked into a certain role or a certain lane or a certain wave. Um, how do you how do you gather the inventory in terms of uh, a reception? Like, is it, are you fulfilled once you do it and it's just for everybody else to interpret? Or do you notice the reception? Do you uh, think about the reception? Do you care about how your music or your art or your creativity is received? Or once you spit it out there, is it just for the world and that's that? Um, I think as, you know, to keep the narrative going about things that have changed, you know, the, the, that kind of brick and mortar aspect of the music. And that's still mom and pop stores out there. So I just want to make sure that people don't think that it's completely gone. You still got, you know, the amoebas and the coops and, you know, all the mom and pops still thugging it out. Vinyl coming back in a strong way. So shout out to all the mom and pop stores. Yeah, yeah. Getting it. And then in other countries, physical music is still the number one thing. So in Japan, you still got Tower Records and, you know, the majority of people consume that music physically. So the things that have changed have stayed the same and things that have changed. So even in my kind of what I want to achieve as an artist has also changed. You know, it has also, you know, the only constant has changed. So that stuff has kind of, you know, become dynamic. And like, what do I want for me? Right? which is, a, you know, a, a little list of things as an artist that I think every artist should have. What do you want, right? And then as you start to click click off that checklist, mm-hmm. right? At a, I, so for me, there's only like two other things that I want, you know? Like out of the whole career rap thing, right? So it's like you got the fame, you dodged the sophomore jinx, you got, you got some bread, you got the cars, you got the clothes, you got the whole thing. One was like you. I'm I'm at the in in in, in the Ivy Leagues now, and mm-hmm. then it's like I want a Nobel Prize, right? And I, and I want to put out an album on Blue Note Records, right? That's it. Like any anything else that you just said that wasn't on that list, either I've already done it, or it was never on the list, right? So, Ladies and gentlemen, this is real stunt talk right now. It's, it's, it's dignified stunt talk, but it's, it's stunt talk nonetheless. Like, I, I want a Nobel Peace Prize. Is, is a, prize. Honestly, a Nobel Prize. Yeah, a Nobel Prize. Nobel Prize in literature. That's what yeah. I right? Um, And when I get in 40 years or 50 years or posthumously, whatever, I just need that in my coffin with me. <laughs> um, but I, I, I say all that to say, it's, it's not to diminish fan base is not to diminish, you know, 
the craft is not to diminish or minimize any of the other stuff or take for granted what people come in and out of the craft and the industry of the craft for, right? But the realization is whether you were, whether you were looking or not, whether you were paying attention or not, my, I've, I've racked up so many, uh, you know, accomplishments that there's, there's not too much left. And the stuff that I would, that you would perceive people to want, I got introduced to it from a different angle. So it, it was less shiny, you know, mm-hmm. it was easy to have, right? Um, I've been in spots where I've achieved things and people took, took it away from me. And I'm like, oh, wow. So, you know, it's not even, it's ephemeral, a lot of this stuff that we chase. So for me, apart from that list, right, it's just to, it's just, I'm going to be a rapper. That's what I'll do, you know, and comfortable in that. I'm not going to switch up and go get another job. You know, it's, I'm not going to, you know, and everything that I was doing in addition to that, again, whether you were paying attention or not, outside of rap, you know, right. the things doing, my the art, the photography, all the other stuff, right? Painting and karate and all this other stuff, stuff that I've been like, just, that's what I do too, right? Um, you know, I think it's, I just want to rap, you know, and I'm going, and it's not even that, so that's checked off already. It's like, I'm going to just keep rapping until I'm like 95 years old, right? Does that mean I'm going to keep putting out albums, right? Does that mean I'm going to keep playing the game and, and doing that stuff? No. Mm-hmm. Does it mean you're going to stay on social media for the next two you 90s? Like, no, you know, but I will be somewhere doing some rapping, you know, with my peers who rap. So, you know, I hope that answered the question a little bit without getting too much into the weeds. No, nah, no, nah, this is, listen, this, these are all answers, whether it's to that question or any other ones that I'm going to come up with as we're talking here. Uh, and I appreciate your openness. I want to talk to you also about this time that we're in, because, you know, people are calling it post-pandemic and, you know, people are still still getting sick, still getting infected. I noticed over the last year and a half or so, you on Instagram, uh, and anytime you would go live, you know, talking about what we as a community and as a culture were going through and how we were affected by COVID-19 and some of the arrows and slings you were taking by talking about the vaccine and all this other stuff. What, you know, I, I know... I have a feeling after listening to your bodies of work and, you know, just following your career, I have a feeling I know what compelled you to do so because you're not a guy who seemingly is just going with the flow and it's just like, oh yeah, all of that is cool. And then meanwhile, in the background saying, wait a minute, that wasn't cool, but I got to say this. Like you were talking about some very real issues and very real things and some answering some questions on Instagram um, amongst your peers and fans and everybody who wanted to jump on and converse with you about the situation and how it was affecting the community. What compelled you to continue to do that, especially when we didn't have a lot of people in the community, in the culture, in hip hop itself, one, speaking up the way that you did, and two, it just downright saying, hey, I'm not taking no damn shot because they're trying to put anything in your body. Like, what what made you say to yourself, all right, this is the lane and the, the void that I'm going to fill with some of the information that I have just to make sure that we're passing it along to the people who need it? Right. Um, you know, rest in peace to everybody who passed. For real. You know, shout, shout to my man Track. You know, rest in peace, Mama Track. You know, he lost his moms. You know, and that's my man. And he was in a coma. So we almost lost him. 
So for me, I don't care what anybody got to say. You feel me? Against, against, right? Whatever piece of literature you want to pull from whatever corner of the internet or corner from some journal, paper, medical, whatever, your own personal experience, I'm not trying to hear none of that, right? Because I know directly how it has affected, you know, my crew and my circle in ways that can't come back. You know, it's not a game. It's not a joke. So for me, as much as I could, on behalf of the folks who would tell you, like, nah, man, you know, it's this this is real, but they're gone. You know, one, one day they're here, the next day they're gone, right? And so for me, it's speaking up on behalf of people who couldn't. And it's just to give you the other half. I don't care if you take it or not. I don't care if you wear a mask or not. Right. Just to be clear, I'm not that uh, uh, Gandhi about things. I'm not, I'm not that all inclusive. You know, he wasn't all inclusive. But anyway, yes. I, just to give an example of like right, right. of everybody play nice. I'm not him. Mm. Right. I'm mm-hmm. Not right. But I don't want you to be out here miseducating folks. You know, and people in my own community, like people from the world of rap. Right up there just spitting nonsense about things that they don't understand. And so for me, it was less about, we have to stop this, whether whether it was COVID or whether it's another dilemma or another crisis or another political thing or another, I just do not like at my core, you know, how we miseducate ourselves. And then we allow the folks who we consider to be the champions of the community or the the elites of our community, whether it be monetarily or um, publicity-wise or educational-wise, whatever it may be spiritually, we look at them as being the heads of our community. And sometimes, not all the time, sometimes they do not know what the fuck they be talking about. <laughs> right? Because every, every piece in one area doesn't marry over totally in every area. Right? So, you got to be careful when you're stepping into other spots. And I just know a lot of the experience in the Black community, as, as much as the Black community is diverse and rich and has different levels, some of the shit that we go through is this self-inflicted carrying on with these myths or these folklore, right, or this gossip, you know, and it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't get us anywhere, Right. It keeps us back. It keeps us out of the. It keeps us out of mental institutions, right? It keeps us out of of hospitals, right? It keeps us out of certain institution, educational institutions, right? For the sake of other lesser educational institutions, for the sake of some type of cultural what have you, right? And I think that for some folks, that path is cool. That's your path. Um, your life is great in that myth, and I would hate to do the disservice of to your mentality of bringing you into the real world. So stay there and have fun. You know, it is what it is. But for my, that small thread of fandoms that I have who are on the fence, right? That ain't deeply committed on either side. They just have general questions about general things that I have, you know, the legit answers for. I try and make myself available for that, for that group, right? 
And sometimes in doing that, I have to speak to the knuckleheads. And then I got to turn around and speak to the people who are completely not the knuckleheads. Like they're the professors and the whole thing, just so there's a balance in public so they can see these two different points of opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and and it's about, and lastly, it's about just kind of like making sure that all of the details are present so you can make the most informed decision for yourself. Right. If you're going to bring up Tuskegee as it relates to, you know, vaccines, right. You have to mention that there were no vaccines in Tuskegee. Like that's the part of it. Right. Right. So what does that do to your argument when there's no, there were no vaccines in Tuskegee? That was the problem. Right. 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 They gave them the disease and not the and not the vaccine. <laughs> so they didn't give them. They didn't. Give I mean, them. They, they had the disease and they didn't they didn't treat it. Right. Nobody was given anything. That mm-hmm. was the problem. Right. That they didn't give them anything. Right. They didn't they didn't treat the disease. Right. I was just watching this thing the other day. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on after this, right? I was watching this piece the other day because I, I have to, in order to be that person, you have to be aware of all these different angles and points of view. For sure. For sure. So there's this kid named Count Donkula. He's a, he's a guy. He's a guy named Count Donkula, right, who has a channel on YouTube. It's called Mad Lads, right? And he just goes through history picking all of these random folks or events um, and kind of tells a nice little story about it. Like, like little 30, 40 minute videos of him just talking shit. And he, he's a comedian, so he's telling jokes, but hitting you with some actual facts. Right. And he talks about one about like the worst Olympics ever. Like the worst Olympics ever. It's like 1910 or something like that, whatever. No brothers. Huh? No brothers. No, that was, that was, there were Negroes there. You want to <laughs> play? No, that was, that was, it was, that wasn't what it was, right? It was in St. Louis, it was in America, but it was just like the timing of it was weird, it was high, it was strange. It was just a strange time for the Olympics, right? Um, and so he, he focuses on one event, the marathon, right? So the marathon, you had people from South, you had black folks from South Africa competing, you had a dude from Cuba competing, you had like, you know, it was a thing. It was mostly white folks because it was in America and it was hard to get. It's 1910, my guy. So it's like- To St. Louis. <laughs> Flights like we gotta get to St. Louis in the middle of America, like it's wild. So it didn't get a lot of international representation versus kind of one, Sean. But anyway, the point he brings up is, you know, they do this marathon. They 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 only give the dudes one water source to get water from. So if you was just kind of like out there bad and your team was underfunded, like you may not get no water. That's what it is. One dude they was giving them like eggs and shit. It was wild, right? And so, you know, you would think like, oh, man, that has to be poorly organized. You know, this marathon at the Olympics and there's there's no water. Right. And then all this stuff goes bad because they ain't got water. So the stories are hilarious. I let people check it out. Mm-hmm. The time. But the flip is and it's going to give a, this is a spoiler alert. So if you don't want to know, jump past the section. Yeah, right here. 30 seconds forward. Go 30 seconds forward. The spoiler alert is that they weren't given water on purpose because the guy who kind of was like, he he was a scientist, quote unquote, who wanted to test the effects of people operating at the athletic extreme without like fully dehydrated. It was a whole, the whole shit was an experiment. Experiment. Mm -hmm. From this one scientist, right? 
who was like, I wonder what happens, right? If you let people run a marathon without giving them no water in these in these extreme conditions in the middle of summer with all this old other old crazy shit, right? So you'd be surprised, right? Relate that back to kind of Tuskegee. It wasn't necessarily what they were giving them is what they weren't giving them for the sake of experimenting to prove what, right? So anyway, that's that. Sorry for the 10. No, no, no. I appreciate it. Now, perfect segue into the next question I have for you, because uh, in listening to Drill Music and Zion, I want you to I want you to expound upon not just the, you know, the, the, the concepts behind the album, but get into some of these songs. Um, and by the way, I, I think it's a terrific album. Like, and I'm not just saying that because you on here is it's one of the better albums that I've heard this year. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of rap. But I also, you know, I get into all the other shit as well and enjoy myself when the music is right and the mood is right. You feel me? But I'm a fan of rap. And to start off this album, your sister's poem, where she's talking about um, hiding the water in the basement uh, because sometimes it's scarce or um, it's uh, infected. It's uh, summary. In summary, it made me <clears throat> think of my great grandmother. Um, you know, my, my family is from Belize. I'm first generation born here. And it made me think of my great grandmother when I used to go to Belize every summer, it used to be a huge vat out back and she'd catch rainwater and the plumbing always worked. Right. And we go turn on the water faucet, get some drink and then run down the street, you know, hang out, do whatever we did in the hot summer Belize heat. And I'll never forget the day that the, something happened to the plumbing. And we were the only house on the block that had the vat full of rainwater. And it was filtered and all those other things. And this is years of going there, summer after summer after summer. And it only happened one time. And in that one time when we needed it, it was necessary and it was there for us. And you you talking about that experiment at the Olympics, your sister's poem at the beginning of the album, and your career as a whole. Um, I feel like you... And guys like you, and they're not a ton of dudes like you, but you and guys like you and, 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 and ladies like you as well, uh, who are the water that people have to tap into every once in a while when all the bullshit is, is polluting you, you know, your, your bloodstream. Yeah, um, yeah. Wh- who else and, and where does, does that space grow now? Like how, how is that? How does that become more plentiful for the people who need it? You know, like, because we always talk about preaching to the people in the church, but you got to go outside because right around the corner is the corner store that people need to be preached to a little bit more. So how is that? Um, how do we multiply that? You know, how do we how do we get back to making sure that uh, the sound is as diverse as it needs to be? And we don't even get into the regionality of the sound anymore, because to me, you know, and I am sound like the old head at 41, but a lot of the shit just sounds the same. And I don't want to be that guy because I knew in the 80s, my, my, my family members were saying that about the stuff I was listening to. So you don't want to be that dude. But how do you how do you make sure that that gets back into the pipeline a little bit more? Right. I mean, a lot of it sounds the same. That's that's everything sounds the same. Right. It's rare, very rare to have something that's genuinely novel. Right. We're doing a survey on that on that right now. The novelty, how much novelty is present in in any any given artist work. And it's rare for people who score really high. Right. It's mostly somewhere in the middle. Right. Like most things, it just kind of it kind of drifts itself back to a a, a homeostasis. so, I mean, that's part of it. It's going to sound the same. Like, that's not even bother with that, right? That It's going to sound the same. If you go to the 90s, it sounded the same. 
you know, this group sounds like that group. They sound like them, you know, and they may have a period of time where there's some um, uh, non-substitutability um, in there. But it, before that gets, before that becomes the model for everybody to build this next phase on, and it might take months, might be, you might have weeks of kind of like genuine, this is me and nobody else. But then two weeks later, it's every, if it's good enough, it's going gonna, it's gonna to filter through. Um, in terms of the content, right, which I think is more of an issue, less the context, right, less the form, less the shape, more what, what it is. Um, I will say the same thing. It was, it's, it's the same, right? It's the same shoot em up, kill, bang, bang, right? Drug dealer, bitches ain't got nothing on me, mm-hmm. stunt fools. It's the same. Right? Um, you had that same force, you know, maybe not so much of a degree in the 80s, simply because there was all these barriers to get your shit out, right? But in the streets, if you if you could do if you could do a survey of like what was being commercially released and then what was happening in the streets, it's definitely gonna be a flip-flop. You know, Jay-Z brings it up in Decoded, where they had people looking at Sugar Hill Gang, like, you know, who these these dudes ain't even MCs. Right, right. Right. right? Representing real MCs, real MCs I had talking about each other, mama and it's, it's you know, like there's a it's a, a level of like kind of um uh how can I put it, aggressive content. But when you have you know, only so many doorways in, you know, there's only so many things that's going to get through, but that doesn't necessarily fully represent what was happening in the streets. In the streets, it's been ratchet. It ain't never stopped, right? You could, you could carpet bomb the projects with Talib Kweli and most deaf albums, right? It ain't going to do nothing, you understand? Like, it, it's not going to it's not going to change, right? That 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 what's happening down there, because it it doesn't penetrate enough into the right. social moorings, the actual institutions, right? Which actually lead and direct and are causal in terms of like change in people's points of view. Music kind of sits on the surface, right? In order to have that change. You need to have institutions that are directly involved in at the, at the sacrifice of democracy to induce some type of behavioral change if you believe it's that needed, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to call you out because I don't believe deeply that you think that is that necessary. As far as? Change. You right. don't think you don't think I think the change I, is necessary. You're just saying it. Mm. Based you off, know what? Based off something you said earlier. What's that? Oh, because I I listen to everything. You dabble. Yeah, right? I dabble. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was I knew it was on the moment I said it when you smiled. All right, come on. Dabble. You did yeah. you the thing. If the mood is right, I'm a, I'm gonna listen to my shit and I'm gonna <laughs> go. You, you know what's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That got five niggas shot. Yeah. 
right? Mm-hmm. And it becomes like, well, if we really believed, if we really thought that it was that imperative, we'd, out. Yeah. We, we'd have been, we'd be, we'd be assassinating niggas, right? If you really thought it was that detrimental, you like, oh, he, he got to go. Right? Or you'd be snitching on, like, you'd be wearing wires around. <laughs> like you'd to be every doing studio session? To, to remove elements of what we deal with as entertainment from these streets. Yeah. And I think it's that level of institutional privacy, which everybody wants. Right? So... You get you get constantly fed this narrative that privacy you need to be private like you need to, you need to let people let people do it you know stay out of people's business mind your business do you do, do, do. not understanding that some of that yes comes from genuine things nobody wants to know if you beat off in the shower to like <laughs> Korean porn nobody needs to know that but the other side of privacy is. Criminals gave it to us, right? Like, criminality taught us, like, privacy laws, right? We think it's the, the, the what, uh, what's the, like, the FCC or yeah, yeah. Google or some shit like that. It's like, nah, be Al Capone, right? Mm-hmm. That's who was enforcing privacy laws. You feel me? Like, uh, stop snitching. They had t-shirts in Harlem. Videos. The whole thing, right? Institutional. At the roots. Hitting people young. Teaching them that snitching is bad. Goodfellas. Snitching is bad. That whole movie's about snitching. He's a snitch. Right? Mm Mm-hmm this relationship between what we should interfere in, what we should interrupt, and what we shouldn't, what we should leave, let people have that fence across the neighbor's yard. Like, I don't, I'm not inter- I'm not interested in what they're doing. All right. Even though they over there chopping up babies, making adrenochrome, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Like, you like, that ain't, that ain't none of my business. Because we've, sold, because we've sold ourselves this bill of goods that it's none of our business, it's never going to stop. Now, that's where I'm at to answer your question, to get to your question. Yeah. I don't think it's ever going to stop no matter what you do. Mm. Because it's so perfectly aligned with the human condition by itself with just enough of the institutionalization of protocols and priorities that lock it. Right? And there's just enough distance and just enough bullshit myself to lock this thing in for good. Yeah. Right, so I think it's evolutionarily deep to our core, like not soul, because that don't exist. Evolutionarily deep into our DNA, right? That this is how we go- are going to proceed for the for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that's and why. Yo, go I, ahead. I'm sorry about that. No, great story. I tell it a lot and tell it again. In India, at this leadership summit with the Illuminati, 
And there was a guy there who was from the Brahmin class. And there were, there were people from all over the world, but it was, you know, representatives from different countries, maybe three from different spots. I was representing the U.S. and I had one other fellow with me. It might have been one more. There was a few folks from China. I think a few folks from, from maybe Africa. No, the Middle East. Um, the moderator was from South Africa. It was a, it was a, oh, Africa is a mix, right? The, the Indian, we were in India, so the Indians was rep. And you had one who was like a minister in the government in some capacity, another person who did, I think pharmaceuticals or something, something. I can't remember for sure. But the one guy, he was, he was a Brahmin. You know about the Indian caste system that, that, at the top, right? And he was building a, basically a village from scratch. Got some land out in the middle of somewhere in India. I was like, I'm going to just build this village from scratch. It's not built on caste, you know, come as you are, but we're going we're gonna to build it, make it sustainable, self-sufficient, so we ain't got to tap into nothing else. We're just going to build it. So he's building this thing. In order to do that, you need food, right? In order to have food, you need fertilizer, right? In order to have fertilizer, you need to take the waste of the food that you didn't finish. Process it. A process called composting, right? To, to, to create this soil, right? This, this nutrient rich soil fertilizer. Whatever you call it. So he was like, yo, from me, from me working with this compost and this, you know, trying to build these soils back up, I've noticed that there's two types of compost. There's compost that stinks and there's compost that doesn't. And no matter what I did, there was nothing I could do to keep the stinky compost from not stinky. Nothing I could do. No matter what I tried to do. Mm-hmm. So what I did, this is him talking, what you have to do is you have to focus on the good compost. And you try to focus on what elements make the good compost good, and you just have to constantly feed that environment, right? And make it so that the good compost just outcompetes the bad compost, right? But that's even if you even if you just have a little bit of versus a lot of good, the good mm-hmm. the, still gonna stink. It's still gonna be there. It's still gonna stink. There's nothing you can do. You just have to make sure that you're just growing enough for the good shit, right? And for me, it's about shifting the focus. So the focus for you was shit's fucked up. What can we do to change it? Right? But in a nutshell, if I'm, uh, forgive me if I'm mis mis mischaracterizing. Mischaracterizing? No, no. Yeah. It's in, in, in a in, in an essence, you know, right. in essence, yeah, yeah. Shit's getting fucked up. It's fucked up. It wasn't like it was before. Shit's fucked up. How can we do it? My piece is like, yo, shit's great. What can we do to maintain this great shit over here? Right? I'm not even thinking about these niggas. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm thinking about this kid who hits, who DMs me on the regular asking about how he can get into MIT. Right? And he's a, he's a math wizard. Right? He's putting him on blast a little bit. He's, <laughs> he's like 15, 16. Yeah, do that, though. Do that. Right? But his mind is like, how can I get yeah. And I rap. But at the end of the day, I want to get, because I can always rap. How can I get, what, what are the programs that I can get in and get in there, right? And then also, what, what else? So for me, it's about focusing on those guys, which we overlook a lot. I'm with you. Right? 
We only got so much time, so much capacity. And we overlook a lot of those folks that are doing fantastic or have fantastic potential that are complete antithesis, antithesis of the shit going on on Oblock. No, no disparaging to none of that shit, but I've been there, done that. Yep. Get it. But what's happening, right, with them kids, with them kids at Kenwood? Mm. Right? What's happening on J Block? Right? Or P Block? Right? Or Y Block? Are they getting the, the type of attention and the celebration for when they do good shit? Right? Are we feeding their capacity and expanding them, right, to be able to look at the world in new ways, novel ways, or look at the world in traditional ways that require a little bit more than just guessing, like actually putting in work. And for those kids who do put in the work, who ask you, like, hey, man, you think you could send me to summer camp? It costs $2,000, right? Man, $2,000 for like two months, man, I got it. You know, I got bills to pay. I got, you know, I got bills. But you want to say, like, man, fuck my bills. I can go two months without the lights. You have the cistern in Belize. Mm-hmm. Water. You have to, that's, why your grand, that's why your granny was collecting the water. Right? So shit ever, if, not even when shit becomes a crisis, but when it becomes necessary to make sacrifices for you to progress. Right? With to do something good, not to counteract something bad, but to do something even better, right? So yeah, we're gonna sit this rainwater so they can cut. We can we can, they can shut that shit off. It's only like twenty dollars a month, but that's forty dollars that we can use to buy you that chemistry set that you want, or that microscope that you want. So we sit and and that's not everybody. And I'm ranting a little bit, but this isn't for everybody, and everybody don't have it, but. I think sometimes we underestimate how much we actually have, the resources that are at our disposal. And we're so busy complaining about what we don't got that we overlook that we actually do have the capacity to send these kids to summer camp for two months to learn about astronomy or learn about physics or learn about math or learn about something else much deeper than what they're going to do spending the summer in the air conditioning, not learning shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I had Ryan Fest on not too long ago, to, and he was talking about a uh, similar venture in terms of summer camp out in, in Wyoming for kids, and you know, from Detroit and you know, Indiana, kids who ain't gonna never see ranches, kids who ain't gonna never see the different sky and and experience something different. I, I'm glad you mentioned the MIT part, uh, the the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Visiting Professors and Scholar Program. Uh, I wasn't aware of this, and I, I'm so glad that you sat down with the good people at The Ringer you know, a couple of weeks ago and, and chopped it up with them. Um, how did that come about, and how is that going for you? Um, you know, I, I was in high school. I never went to college. Didn't want to go to college. Um, only the people who were coming back to speak at our high school, no, no shade, but some shade, they were coming back with the, with the horror stories. Right, that made you not want to go to college. It's like, man, I ain't going to college being debt. Like that's silly, right? And if I go, I want to learn, and I want to go learn on my own terms. I don't want to be there paying off a debt trying to manage these two things. But not no disparage to anybody who's out there going through that. You got to get it how you live. You got to make those sacrifices. I felt that way after my freshman year and came back home and interned and did this for the next twenty years. So, (laughs) but it's folks that that make those decisions because it's folks up here at MIT, like Mm -hmm. right. 
that take out them loans mm-hmm. and what it's going to be for them for the next like 15 Right. But they looking at it like what I'm going to get from that is going to be invaluable. It's the investment. I pay you a million dollars through the a hundred, a hundred thousand in debt. I pay you a million for, for what I plan to do with this education. So shout out to everybody out there doing what they need to do to get in these buildings. But for me, it was like, I don't want that. I want to go and just purely learn. And I'll wait. There's no rush. Right. There's nothing. I'm not in a, in a rush to, to, to prove or complete some type of narrative, right? That I didn't even design, right? So I skipped it. I didn't take my ACTs. I'm, I, I like made it so I wouldn't even be able to go to college. I was like, I'm not even taking my ACT. That's it. To this day, I still have. And then I just went into the business, went into music, went into writing, went become a rapper, you know? And in the process of me doing what I was doing, I was always learning. And so... I've been coming in and out of Ivy League institutions for decades. The stuff that I do when I'm not, you know, being Lupe Fiasco. Right. I'm at Caltech vibing with the quantum physicist, you know, dumbfounded, you know, with the focus on dumb. I don't know what the fuck is going on. (laughs) Hopefully by osmosis, I'll pick up some of what's happening. Accidentally bump into some knowledge. Or get invited to, to Princeton to speak at Cornell West's class when he was there, right? And just be in the be in what that means, you know. Go to Yale and just be like, "Where's Skull and Bones at? I need to see." Like, I just want to be in the mix, right? Yeah. And so, same story with with Harvard. Same kind of same story. Uh, University of Pennsylvania, same story. Like, just I'm hit if they if they if the offer's there. If I happen to be in town, if they, or, or even Berkeley here in uh in, in Boston. So same story for MIT, like in and out of these, in and out of finding an avenue in, shout out to Doc, Doc IT, Dr. Nick Muffet, who's hosting me here. Um, coming to MIT just for a day. Hey, you want to come check it out? Hell yeah. You know, then it's like, yo, yo, how can I come back for two days next time? Oh, you need to do this. Okay, how can I come back for a week? Oh, you need to do this. How can I come back for a month? You do this. Okay, hold up. What's the, what can I do to be there as long as absolutely possible without being a student? They're like, you do this, <laughs> you know? So I basically just did whatever program, whatever situation that allowed me to be in this, in this building for an extended period of time where I didn't have to leave so I can get as bump into so many beautiful accidents as possible. You know, and so that, that's what it was. It was, you know, artists in residence for 2021, 2021. Next step from that is uh, the MLK piece. Um, and then there's other, av- I'm learning more avenues. Like, you see, it's, 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 a, it's a funny thing because people find ways. People went here, went to school here, got their masters, got their PhDs, got the whole joint, went, left, came back. There's people still trying to find ways to stay here because, mm-hmm. it, because it means so much in terms of knowledge, in terms of innovation, in terms of being on the cutting edge or the bleeding edge of certain technologies, certain idea fronts, um, just to be tangential to it, right? And, you know, it's an open kind of spot for that. So if you're willing to do it, it's here for you. You know, brother, my brother D1, um, he's at, he's going, he's going to be up the street at Harvard starting in September, you know, same way, you know, just kind of like, 
here's an opportunity. Take that motherfucker, man. Now we up the street from each other. I'm gonna be writing raps at MIT. I'm gonna be writing raps at Harvard. You know. See, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to mess around and go back up to Evanston and see if I can get in the Northwest and just be like, hey, can I hang out for a couple of days and gather some of this knowledge? I'm, I'm not gonna have as much to offer as you because you know your brain thinks on a different level. It's, it's a different wavelength going on. <laughs> the dumbest man in the room at all times. And that's why I choose to be. But, yes, sir. You're in good yet, rooms there. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be surprised that how many people just don't ask, you know, or have the opportunity and don't go. And it, it, it kind of breaks the heart for people to have certain representation, whatever you think about it, whether you agree or disagree. Because it was the same thing with me going into certain gang neighborhoods, right? I mean, I don't go to the Crip neighborhoods, see what's popping, because you feel nothing I mean with these Crips. I'm talking like I'm a Crip. Same thing with Haitians down in Miami, man. We go to Haitian pop town, you know what I'm saying? So it's just me infiltrating different institutions just to see, to glean the knowledge, to, 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 to satisfy the interest. And so it's no different with, with MIT, but it's, it's that spirit of exploration, right? That, that they might tell you no, and they might tell you hell no, but at least they talk to you. Right, and that's a starting point. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get that. Still from there. Yeah, yeah. My my uh my grandmother used to tell me the inquisitive kid is the blessed kid, and uh, my man, you are you are a, a blessing not only to the game but the city. Uh, is definitely always proud of you and always rooting for you. And um, I'm I'm a big fan. And have been and will continue to be. Uh, I love the the latest album came out in June. Drill music in Zion. I think Drogas Wave went over people's heads and they couldn't. <laughs> and that's cool because you the dude that made the cool right. And and dumb it down is one of the greatest records of all time. I I, I try to play it as much as I possibly can. Anytime I'm feeling like I'm uh drilled out or I'm I'm low barred out or low frequencyed out. I go back to certain Lupe verses and certain Lupe things. So I appreciate your, uh, your your contribution, not only to the culture, but to the city and uh, everybody who's uh, been able to glean something from you for over the last couple of decades, man. Indeed. And and just lastly, you know, I want to make sure, you know, people understand for me, it's, it's not about settling, you know, and it's, it's not about, you know, just celebrating bullshit, right? I, t- I tell people today, I tell killers today, face, like, you bullshit right now, right? Like, that's, that's silly, right? Like, you could be doing so much more, you know, with, with your talents, with your skills, right? There's such a bigger, bigger world out there. You'd be surprised how many folks, you just need to, you just need to, t- don't say nothing to them that's going to get you shot, but... <laughs> <laughs> but some of these guys and gals, they just haven't been challenged. Right. They haven't been stretched. They haven't been offered discipline. You know, they haven't been offered things to to get them to think outside of their own narrow vision. You know, and sometimes what you see and people call it, man, these people cry for attention. These are cries for attention. I just want to be noticed. I just want to be heard. Right. I just want to be felt. I just want to be loved. I just want to be appreciated. I, I want somebody to come in and not. And if you know that's the case and they're telling that, and even if you have the, the kind of psychological awareness to know that that's what they're saying through their actions, could able to read them deeper than just that surface piece. Challenge these niggas, man. You know, like I know you got all them chains, but nigga, where's your life? 
right? This book I bought right here is $5,000. Where yours at? What's the most expensive book you got? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we could do that. We could have that. That's good. And I got chains and I got cars and I got the whole thing. But the balance is necessary. But, like, we need that balance. And it's not to bring people down. It's not to minimize. It's not to diminish. It's the discipline, for sure, heartlessly in some cases. But it's about making sure that us as a people and us as a city, right, all float up together. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have things to learn from, from, from that side of the fence. You got things to learn from this side of the fence. And we need to incorporate and build up, you know? Yes, sir. Raise the bar for everybody. So hopefully that's a part of the tradition that I'm in. And humbly, thank you for your uh, your interest in my little conversation here. Nah, bro. man, cut it out, bro. Anytime, anytime I get a chance to do something like this, I, I jump at the opportunity. I saw that your your people got right back to my people. I was like, oh shit, look at look, look at Lupe, the professional rapper out here. <laughs> you, you showed up for us, and I truly, truly appreciate it. Next time we'll talk about the Bears and the Bulls and all that other sports roo. How about that? Yeah, I would do that. All right. My man, thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Yeah, be well. Yes, sir. Lupe Fiasco right here on the Full Go Podcast. The Full Go with Jason Golf. All right, that's all the time we have for episode 140 of the Full Go Podcast. I want to thank our outstanding guest, Lupe Fiasco, one of the best to ever do it, one of the best to come out in the city of Chicago. Uh, we appreciate his time. Make sure you check out his latest release. It is called Drill Music in Zion. Uh, check it out. Check it out. It, uh, he's always got a message for you. If, if Drogas Wave missed you, Go back and check that out as well because um, his catalog is, is damn near flawless in terms of rhyme schemes and making you think. So shout out to Lupe Fiasco for uh, jumping on the show and, and hanging out with us. Uh, we are looking forward to next week's guest where we will chat with Ross Tucker. Looking forward to chatting with G Herbo right here on the pod and whoever else finds their way on a Zoom call. Uh, courtesy of Allison, the bounty hunter. Shout out to Allison. Appreciate you so much for everything you do. And our production staff, as always, ah, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Zarudi. I got a like on a Twitter uh, message today or a tweet today. You know, I was like, ah, there's my guy, Steve. I haven't seen him in a while. We love you, Zarudi. Come on back and slum it with us anytime you're ready, my man. <laughs> and also uh, the vacationing, not the active. He ain't active now. The vacationing, Jesse Lopez. Shout out to our guy and my main man, Tony Gill. As always, for the fellas and Lupe, appreciate you guys so much for downloading this thing. Thank you for subscribing to this thing, sharing it, um, rating and reviewing it. The reviews are uh, popping out there. I appreciate y'all. Even for the people who are reviewing it poorly, good looking out as well. Y- y'all do y'all do me a justice as well. I appreciate you. Constructive criticism is always received. And when I say always, I never, ever read them. So thank you for rating and reviewing this thing. Thank you for subscribing to it. Thank you for sharing it. As always, we leave you with this. Hey, man, enjoy whatever time you're listening to this if you're listening to it hot off the presses on sunday night or monday morning on your jog or you're working out or you're taking your kids to school shout out to y'all it's my little guy's first day of kindergarten on monday morning so i will be boohooing in the car on the way home so i'll be listening to this pod crying uh but shout out to y'all whoever's listening to it however you listen to it make sure that you are always taking care of yourself and taking care of each other and be safe out there. And we'll talk to you on Tuesday right here on the Full Go Pod.